Before we get started, just a few items of business. First off, this show grows and continues to grow through you guys spreading it through word of mouth. So if there's someone out there that you think would enjoy these conversations and these topics, then please do let them know. And I thank you so much for doing it already. It is the cheapest and easiest way for you to continue supporting what I'm doing with this show. Don't forget to subscribe on whatever channel that you're listening to. Just take that finger for a wander and hit subscribe. So thank you so much for doing that. Also, the MindStrong Journal is nearly here. This has been a bit of a passion project of mine, and it's a journal not like what you may think it's going to be, which is what am I doing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? It's more of a self-discovery tool, self-identifying tool that's going to allow you to learn more about who you are as a human being first and an athlete second, and then map out the journey. It's split into three plus a bonus section. So three sections plus a bonus section of the human first, athlete second, and then the journey that you're going on. You'll learn more about your values, your behaviors, build mantras. You'll understand the journey you've been on so far, where you want to go and how you want to get there, the habits that you want to form throughout your journey and then at the end it's building processes through mindfulness so the journal is mind strong mindset through mindfulness and some of the simple tasks and habits that you can create whether that's through some simple yoga meditation mindfulness that you can do on a daily basis that are in the final section so this is coming soon there are only going to be a hundred available to start with and if you are interested in finding out more about this or you want to potentially put yourself down to get one, head over to lewishatchet.com. You'll see that there is an area to put your email address in and you'll be one of the first people notified when they become available. You can also head over to lewishatchet.com forward slash mindstrong where you'll learn more about the process, what it's all about and who it's for. At the moment, it is aimed towards athletes but it will hopefully in the future be aimed to people further afield. But if you're like me, I tend to believe that anyone can be an athlete. So whether that's you in sport, whether you're in business, whether you're an artist, whether you're a student, we can all see ourselves as athletes. But ultimately, this is about discovering who we are as human beings first. So it's a really interesting tool something I wish I'd had when I was younger, and I'm super excited to bring this to you. So don't forget to head over to lewishatchet.com to register your interest now. Welcome to the Raising Your Game podcast, a show where I bring to you the stories, insights, and ideas from the world of sport to help improve your well-being and performance, both body and mind. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Lewis Hatchett. And in this episode, I'm joined with author James Kerr. James wrote the very popular book, Legacy, which was all about his time spent with learning off the New Zealand All Blacks. And if you don't know about the New Zealand All Blacks, they are one of, if not the most successful team in history. And James went to find out about how their culture, their behaviors, and meaning behind what they do created a legacy within the All Black jersey. But our discussion and conversation didn't go into too much detail around the book. It was really about what it means to create a culture, what it means to create behaviors, what it means to create a 
sustainable and meaningful team environment in order for people to flourish. And there's so many great stories and little snippets and tidbits that James offers in the episode, which I know you're going to find huge amounts of value with. And he's just so rich and deep in the knowledge that he has in this sector. So I'm not going to hesitate any more and give you this incredible episode with James Kerr. Enjoy. James, thank you so much for for joining me. I'm I'm so glad we were able to uh, to actually nail down a time and a day to to get this this one in. Now listen, it's a pleasure, Lewis. Nice to be here. Nice to have a chat. So, I I know you're a Kiwi, but you've been living in the UK for how many years have you been in in the UK? Uh, I count in decades now, three decades, pretty much, wow. off and on. I've I've uh, had my time out of the country as well, but uh, but you know, I I kind of call London home now. And, but I know we your book legacy is on the All Blacks, but I'm from cricket and my sport is cricket and the New Zealand cricket team. There is something going on in New Zealand at the moment that is flourishing. They are, for people who may not know about the New Zealand cricket team, they're very successful. Recently, they made it to the T20 World Cup final. They've been in the, the World Cup final against England and they are doing something right. And I put up a post recently about... Kane Williamson and the 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 person that he was as someone to really really focus on as a young athlete just because of yeah. the way he goes about it and I've played against Kane a, a few times and I then also thought about Jacinda Ardern and the leadership in politics and I don't want to go into the weeds of politics because of the COVID situation has just been chaotic but just New Zealand seem to be getting something right. Whether it's, do you feel there's something that's just clicking at the moment? Do you feel that it's always been there, or um, I, I, I think, I think, I think they've kind of embraced themselves in a way that's that's uh, that's very strong. I think as a nation, New Zealand has come of age in many ways, and I think perhaps that's reflected in some of the cultural uh, standards. Um, I think. Certainly, certainly the, the 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 resurgence of cricket, I think, hasn't been accidental from a cultural point of view. I think Brendan McCullum kicked that one off very much in terms of, um, uh, from my understanding, I haven't been close to the squad, but um, in terms of deciding actually who are we and what do we stand for and why does it matter, you know, the big questions, and and sort of starting to engineer a culture that would deliver that and a sort of uh, an ethos and beliefs and behaviours. I know they consulted Gilbert Inoka, who is the mental skills coach and the the, the leadership man. Uh, I think within the All Blacks environment, um, they've taken a lot of input uh, in developing something quite deliberate. I think, and I think that combined with the kind of and the next generation and Kane Williamson, clearly a very strong and empathetic leader um, with a setting a, 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 an example around work rate and, um, and you know, he's a staunch competitor um, and, and clearly a very talented, you know, competitor. Um, so I, th I, think, I think that sort of perfect storm has created a, a, a sense of, um, of self-knowledge of, of, of self and self-belief, I think, that's helped galvanise that group 
um, and to sort of play to their to their peak, I think, consistently and 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 kind of uh, been there or thereabouts for a long time now. I mean, you know, they're topping the tables. Yeah, but not only that, they and and again, for we're not going to go too much into the book legacy. But one of the things that I got out of it and leading on with the cricket team is that there's a huge focus on being just a good human being first, and then a great yep. athlete second. Yeah, would you say that's fair and through your experience? I, I think that's totally fair. I, you know, I think it's uh, I think it's quite a Kiwi thing. You know, it's be a decent bloke. Yeah, be a good bugger if I if I'm allowed <laughs> to say that. Yeah, you know, don't be a dick. You know, yeah. they kind of rub along with your mates. You know, all of that I think is a big part of that ethos. Um, you know, you, you know, there's a there's a joke uh, I heard someone make once where they said, you know, if you're moving house in the United Kingdom somebody will might give you the card of a removal company. You know, in New Zealand, you know, they might turn up with a ute, give you a hand. Mm. It's a country of sort of working bees and collaboration and 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 I think that that farming pioneer spirit, if you like, is is part of the DNA of the culture. And I think you apply that to a team sport environment. Well that's that's what you want. You want a, a team of people with their hands up, kind of volunteering contributing, making each other better, pushing each other, competing internally in a, in a, in a healthy way. And also all of those qualities, I think, are very um, part of that kind of Kiwi nature in a way. I think the, the, the Maori side of New Zealand, tribal, quite humble, um, uh, you know, the, the, the carvings on meeting houses in the Maori culture are the heroes, the, the pantheon of the of the great heroes, but they're all carved deliberately to be disfigured and kind of grotesque because it would be vainglorious to look your best. Um, so even the heroes are kind of, you know, uh, I, uh, you know, humility is a big part of that. And I think those qualities around, you know, humility, um, serving something bigger than yourself, contribution to others, um, that kind of team first mentality is, um, is rare and special. And those are the teams that compete and win and create sustainability and resilience and um, common cause and the cohesion uh, that great teams need. And so I think I think New Zealand has kind of, I, I think the word around is sort of authenticity. It's kind of discovered or rediscovered itself. It, it brings the real kind of, you know, decent human beings, if you like, uh, to the game, and I think that makes a massive difference. I had—I um, don't know if you have met Ruby Tui before. Um, Ruby, who is—I I haven't. I haven't met Ruby. I, she gave one of the great post-Olympic medal. Well, she gave two actually, but the one yeah. I particularly loved was where she held up the gold medal and called it a metaphor for the love I feel for my for my for, for my team uh, and for the for Aotearoa. And I thought that was an extraordinarily um, articulate idea of the thing that actually binds great groups, which without sounding like an old hippie is kind of, is love, is connection, yeah. human connection and, uh, you know, bone deep bonds. And I think uh, she expressed it extraordinarily powerfully, extraordinarily well. I don't know if that's what you were referring to. Yeah, no, well, I had Ruby on the podcast in a previous episode. And oh, did you? Did you? The, the, entire, the entire episode was around authenticity. 
Uh, yeah. well, that was what just came out of it. Just you couldn't help but speak to someone like Ruby in it for, to feel that ooze of authenticity. And she just lived the passion for the island and and for the country and for what she was doing. And I I wrote I wrote down here just as you were talking. Nice guys finish last. And and I think that's that's the rhetoric you've sometimes always heard. But that's not the case with. New Zealand right now they they are and I don't think it's the case in life to be honest uh, you know I, I think, think, it's I, think a rhetoric I think, I think you can get some psychopaths can rise yes yes and yes. I think you need an edge you need a competitive edge right but the reality is in most businesses and sport you know as well is that if you can't rub up with people rub up alongside people if you can't connect with people if you can't maintain relationships you know, if you if you if you're if you create antagonism around you, you know, you might make short term gains, but but you won't necessarily last. And and you know, it's a true in anything. It's a, it's it, people like to work with people they like, and um, so I don't think it's about nice. You know, I think sometimes nice is seen as sort of weak, and I don't think we're talking about nice. I think we're talking about character. Yeah. You know, we're talking about character. We're talking about people who act with mutual respect with reciprocity a sense of kind of care and compassion for other people for contribution to other people a sense of taking care of those around you you know that's not nice i mean it might be nice it's not nice nice it's just good character you know it's good you know that's a good human being and you know you do you do good stuff and good stuff tends to happen around you. I think, you know, you're putting the right without again, sound like an old hippie, the right energy out in the world. Um, but you also mitigate against all of those things that really destroy teams, which is factionalization, inner fighting, all of that. You know, there's a lovely proverb that, you know, it's better to have 5,000 enemies, uh, 5,000 enemies outside the tent than one inside the tent. Hmm. You know, you know, it's 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 the, the the problematic people that tend to cause the division that that splits the cohesion and really cohesion is the winning factor for a team, the ability to fight together for what you're doing and, and be together. And so, you know, I don't think it's about nice guys finish last. I don't think that's true. I think good human beings tend to in a sustainable sense, tend to do pretty well in the world. Yeah. Um, in all aspects of the world. So, you know, I don't, I think don't, don't, don't confuse humility and character for weakness. I think yeah. it's a real, it's a strength. It's like vulnerability is a strength. It's a superpower, the ability to be strong enough to not have to be strong all the time. You know, the, the confidence to be humble, you know, that takes genuine strength. Not arrogant, brittle arrogance. You know, you know that's not strength. That's a weakness. That comes from insecurity. You've got to be strong inside to be able to be soft outside sometimes. And and so I think it's about that. And I think it can be easily confused and uh, and sometimes bravado, particularly young with young men. Mm. You know, bravado and and. Um, and kind of a, a chippy hostility can be misconstrued as being somehow I'm being strong here. Well, not really, not usually. 
especially when you're trying to build culture i i think what you mentioned there about having that one enemy inside the tent that what is what have you found in the experiences of all the experiences you've had with teams that you've seen and and looked at and worked with when you found someone that potentially or it may not just be one person but people that swim a different direction compared to the to the rest of the group what have you found the best way of mitigating that how how what are the the best ways of of trying to stop that stopping that from happening or mitigating that from happening if it does occur um yeah listen i think i think i think you have to decide whether they're a maverick or a dickhead if i can use that language <laughs> yeah, yeah you know and there's a difference yeah. you know you know it I, I, let's say a dickhead what the All Blacks have called a dickhead the Sydney Swans I think coined it but it, it's a common enough kind of um, articulation across you know different areas um, is ultimately going to be destructive for a group you know and there are there are dickheads around you know who are pathological or sociopathic in one way or another or have issues and are damaged or like damaging um, or lack self-awareness or emotional intelligence enough to to kind of merge with the crowd in an appropriate way. And, you know, you need to cut them loose. You know, if you're a leader and you're able to, you need to cut them loose. They're no good. You know, they will fracture a group, you know, no doubt. Now, but then you get the mavericks or those who kind of mavericks verging on being kind of difficult. And it's like, well, you know, first knowing where they're coming from, from a leadership point of view, is obviously really critical. But the kind of conversation, you know, a lot of the time in groups we run on assumptions. We run on assumptions that one way of doing things is the right way and someone else's is the wrong way. But who says? It's very rarely an agreement about the way we're going to work together. So I, I think some of the most important conversations you can have in a sporting context, you know, is in the preseason. You know, you know, what do we want to achieve together? And if we, if that's what we want to become, how do we have to be with each other in order to achieve that? And what can we expect from each other? What are our standards and expectations? The kind of standards and expectations chat. Now, if you can make that genuinely contributive and mutual, um, because you know say a football team, um, you know, you might have some kids from Brazil, some Italians, some Belgians, some French, some guys from Newcastle, you know, a, a, a private school kid from Somerset, you know. Now, they're all going to have massively different um, assumptions about the way things could and should be done, you know, based on their their nationality, their religion, their schooling, their parentage, the last club they played at, the way things have been done in the past. Now, they bring that to, to into, a, into a one particular arena and everyone's just sort of doing what they've always done. You know, and often that with some individuals who might have bigger personalities or whatever, that can be seen as being difficult or, but maybe it's just different. And, and unless you have those conversations and you can manage those conversations to say, all right, guys. So, you know, I'll take a, a, a silly example from business, but sometimes it comes up. It's, you know, do people answer emails on the weekends or don't they? Because in some cultures, my weekends are sacred. 
Mm. In other cultures, we work every hour that God gives us. Which one's right? Well, no one's right. They're just two different ways of looking at the world. But there is no agreement. And so we run off assumptions and go, God, he's emailing me on a Sunday again. Or how come he never replies to my emails? Or she never replies to my emails. Right? And so that's a problem of assumption and miscommunication and a lack of agreement. But if, for instance, that conversation happens, right, what's our protocol here? How do we do this? Then everybody knows. And so sometimes, you know, having those conversations, particularly in the preseason or early, early in the formation stage of a team, might not be relevant for three months until kind of Christmas and it's dark and cold and you're losing and mm. people are carrying injuries and no one really wants to be there because their family wants them home for Christmas. Right? That's when it matters. When the, when the yeah. pressure is on, when the adversity hits, because that's when friction really happens. And so creating that kind of working standards and expectations becomes hugely important. Um, so on a group level, and the third answer to a long answer, but the third thought, if you like, on that is, um, is you know, often, often the difficult people it's it's not really a it's it's a lack of self-awareness often they don't necessarily know how they come across um and and that conversation uh was put to me i can't really name names here but it was put to me quite beautifully by a, a guy i work with who, who said um uh he'll, he'll go so take a young player footballer and go so um it's a socratic dance you know so um, uh, tell me some heroes in your life. And they might go, I don't know, Jay-Z or something, you know, Timberland, you know, and say, no, no, someone you know, assuming you, they don't know them. Okay, and it's usually an uncle, a coach, maybe a father, uh, a teacher, right, um, a male, a male, in this case, a male sort of role model. Um why? Why are they your heroes? They listened to me. They took care of me, right? They were loyal to me. They taught me stuff. They took time. They saw me for who I was. They saw my potential, right? So quite soft skills, right? You know, we talked about the softness, kindness, you know, niceness, character, right? Um and then the killer question, of course, is so that's your definition of a hero, somebody who's calm and compassionate and caring. So how come you're being such a dickhead? You know, how come you're not that? Right? Because that's what great looks like. You know, it doesn't mean being chippy and edgy and always right and arrogant and difficult and da-da-da. That tends not to lead to great results. And so on that one-to-one -one coaching uh, to, to, to create a conversation that hopefully opens up some sort of self-awareness. Now, you need some skills to have that kind of conversation. Um, but that's about that self-awareness side of things. So I think probably an answer, a short, a short answer to a very long answer, a short summary of a long answer is, you know, define, you know, agree your behaviours. You know, get rid of the guys who will never change, the people who will never change, if you can, 
agree the group behaviors, your standards and expectations, and push for sort of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, reflecting back self-awareness is hugely, hugely powerful. And from a leadership point of view, I think sometimes think that good coaches are, are therapists. Yeah, it's the quality of their presence with somebody and the relationship is the thing that changes people and and the ability to manage that relationship and to be there to help other people discover themselves and grow a little bit more um, is a very powerful skill to have. I was fortunate. You mentioned the Sydney Swans earlier on in, in as you were talking there, and uh, I had Paul Ruse on the podcast as well. Yeah. Who, was, who was the man instrumental for turning Sydney Swans? He around. was. I've I've done a podcast with Paul. Actually, he's a great great thinker. Lo- lovely, lovely guy as well. And he yeah. he was talking about when he was because a lot of your fo- focus there. None of what you've said in any of that was based on results or outcome. There was no th- no. nothing based around on-field, off-field, winning, losing, anything like around that. It was all about getting the right people. And Paul tells this story about when they were trying to select the cultural leaders within the team. And it was a very simple process, which was, what do we want? At, what, who do we think our essential hero is in the team? Write it down, describe it. And then, yes, you get those descriptive words. They're kind, empathetic, whatever. And then he got them to to nominate five players in the team, regardless of rank or hierarchy or, or or time they've spent in the club, and name five players that uphold those those behaviours. And it was he said it was just really wild how there was rookies that were being named and veterans and and your Mavericks were being left out and and yep. they were like kicking yep. up a fuss and all of yep. this was done in a preseason or postseason whenever they were reviewing it, but. He said, that's how you essentially did it. And I, I wondered how much of that getting getting that right with the guys at the top is just so fundamental because I've experienced it where you go and have the, you go and build those values, you go and build those names and those, those words. And, and then the thing that falls down is like the, the weeks following where it's the hard, it's almost the hardest point to, to keep it going and not fall into old habits and routines yeah. and draw a line in yeah. the sand. And yeah. I think probably that is, I think your work with the All Blacks and what you wrote on the All Blacks was slightly different, I guess, because it was done over a long period of time. But people that are trying to draw that line in the sand right now and not mm-hmm. fall into the trap of going back to old ways, how, how do you believe the best way to, to stop that from happening? Yeah, well, look, look, you know, just on, on that sort of selection of leadership thing, um, there's been, um, don't ask me to quote it because I've never been able to find it again, but I read a really interesting paper um, that uh, about, that was following um, how school kids, natural selection of leadership with school kids. So beginning of a term, kids come together. Usually there's one kid decides he or, uh, he, decides he or she is going to be the leader, the boss of the gang. Um, and... Um, self-selects, usually on kind of capability, which I think yeah. plays to sort of yeah. what you're saying. You know, I'm the best striker, so I, I score the more goals, so I should be the captain kind of thing. Mm. Yep. Um, but what, what tends to happen in those groups is that they self-select a leader over a couple of weeks, and that capability leader, the, the one who's put themselves forward, tends to be eased away 
And the leader that is self-selected by the group is the one that best represents the values of that group, mm. which is exactly, I think, probably where Paul was going with that idea of creating the kind of DNA and then selecting around that DNA. What you know, that's effectively what happened, right? Mm. What does what what do we value most in in a player? Who matches those values? And and that's what I call kind of leading from within. You know, you you, you find leaders who lead from within, who embody the spirit of the group. Um, and because they embody the spirit of the group, it is almost small less spiritual. You know, they become the esprit de corps, the spirit of the body, if you like. And they embody what it means to be that kind of uh, all black or whatever. And um, and that's really where you get that kind of connection, the sort of the, the, the tissue, the connective tissue, I think, of leadership. Um, and as you say, you know, that may not be the obvious candidate in terms of the capability, your top run scorer or your striker or whatever. Leave them to be good at what they do, but find somebody who represents the core of that group. You know, if you think about, I don't know, Manchester United and you think about a, a, um, a Roy Keane, for instance, you know, probably not the most talented footballer there, but he absolutely for a while, for a while embodied that group. If you look, if you look at, you know, so whether cap, whether wearing an armband or not, they will be a leader in one way or another. And so I think finding, finding that kind of, uh, and, and being prepared to make those decisions. I think your, your thing is exactly right. It's very easy to go through a values exercise and you stick your values on the wall. You've got to get them onto the floor. And that begins with your people and you need to select the people in who represent those values and your leadership around that and build your group around um, something that is more permanent and principled than about personality or performance um, because the, the the score will take care of itself. You know, the performance will come. Mm. Um, yeah. oh. but, but, but it's not about going, you know, he or she is best in their position. You need to, you need to be good in your position and you want to lead by example. You've got to, you can't be, you know, the worst player on the park either because you won't make the grade and everyone's going, well, it's a bit ordinary. So yeah. one of the values has got to be, you know, professional excellence, you know, and the ability to perform. So, but it is a balancing act. But who represents the values of your group best? That spirit um, really, I think, is usually the best nod as a leader. You you mentioned like Roy Keane there, and and I'd listened to a podcast with Rio Ferdinand, and he was talking about in that team how uh, how almost Sir Alex Ferguson didn't run it for a bit, where he would come in and and say the odd thing and give be the inspirational leader that that they had, but he said ultimately the group ran itself, and those yep. those senior leaders there was toughness about it, and 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 I think that's where I've. I've experienced a sort of the other side of the coin where teams I've played in where the values haven't been lived by those senior leaders and then it causes sort of silent chaos in a way where no one's talking about yeah. it, but you know chaos has ensued because we're not going in the right way where we've we've kind of driven ourselves towards going. And yeah. you, you need those leaders of the group to 
set those two standards. Like you said, you've got the standards of your values and your behaviors, and then you've got your standards of results. You can't get in a high-performing team yeah. without being good at what you do. So having those two standards is is super important. But in my opinion, the the one has got to come a little bit ahead of the other for the for the betterment of the group. Bit different if you're an individual yeah. athlete, but for the yeah. Betterment but but, of the group, but, but even even you know, I would say it it always those those kind of character values always come before the results yeah. or the performative values because they lead to those those results mm. you know work rate you know you work hard you're more likely to get lucky you know you know um uh connection and contribution you know the 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 marginal gains that you create out of that you know all of those character um assets qualities will contribute to your ability to perform. And and you know, John Wooden, the basketball coach, um, uh, UCLA Bruins, et cetera, you know, was very much um, about character, you know, his, his sort of pyramid. Um, and uh, and he, he said something along the lines of, and I'm going to misquote him, but, you know, that talent wins a match here or there, but character wins competitions, wins tournaments. If you want sustained success, if you want consistency, if you want to get better, if you want tournament success, if you want to build towards something, then character is going to get you there, right? You know, and actually talent comes second to that. Um, the, the, Rassi Erasmus, uh, there's something on YouTube if people are interested. Um, uh, it gives a great talk to, I think, to his Springbok squad very early um in their in their world cup campaign where he says you know you you need to first you need clarity of vision you need to know where you're going and the second thing is that you then need to get the right people on board and he sort of says not the best people on board because sometimes the best people are assholes sometimes the best people are selfish you need the right people because then you can work on something you you know and he says something like you know you're going to war together you know, your skill sets aren't going to win you the war individually. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's the collective that wins the war. And it's true. And it's true for, any, you, know, you know, in the military, you don't fight for queen and country. You fight for the bloke or the, the man or the woman in the foxhole beside you. You know, that's what you do. Cohesion is the so so there's a man called ben darwin who i don't know if you've ever come across um he propped for the wallabies in australia and he he would be well worth an interview a shout out to to ben um and he works with sports statistics he says um uh and he studies um the characteristics of winning teams not sports stats as in assists and meters gained. I think he, he thinks of that as sort of the score by another name. But really, what are, what are the kind of the, the, the metrics uh, that, that will start to bring about long-term success in a group? Um, and I'm going to misquote him here because I can't quite remember the language he uses. But, but, but the, the kind of core of his thinking is that, or his, his, his research shows that the teams that really prevail are those who are the most cohesive. They perform together the most under pressure. And that, that can be amplified or multiplied, I think, in many different ways, particularly off-field behaviour and connection, et cetera. But, but if you look at, say, the Rugby World Cup, 
2011-2015, the All Blacks uh, won both times. Uh, they had six, I think, Centurions, 100-cap players in 2015. You know, from Richie McCaw to Dan Carter, Conrad Smith to Kevin Mialamu, etc. They played together a lot. There was a hardcore in that group. If you think about the Alex Ferguson group you talked about before, they had the class of 92. Yeah. They played yeah. together since they were kids. If you look at the Patriots, who who sort of um, over, have overcome uh, for a long, long time. I mean, they've had some very talented players. They've had Tom Brady, et cetera. But, you know, the draft system is supposed to, you know, yeah. handicap teams. You're supposed to kind of keep everyone in check. But they won and won and kept on winning. But, you know, they had Brady, they had Gronk, they had Edelman, they had Belichick, they had they had a hardcore in that group who knew each other really well and went out and fought for each other. Um, you, you, you know, you look at just about any dynasty and in the middle of that, there's a hardcore of, of cohesion of people who know each other. And, and as you pointed out, the, you know, that team begins to run itself. You know, the, the leadership group takes over and the, the All Blacks set out to do that. So Graham Henry, you know, famously said, he told me the story where, where he, you know, he was quite proud of his halftime speeches or his pre-match speeches. Um, and uh, I think it was Tana Umanga, who was the then captain, came up and said something like, you know, are those speeches for you or are they for us? Because it sure as hell sounds like it's for you. <laughs> or something. And, and it, you know, he was proud of his speeches, but he realised that actually they were, it, it was by Friday, by the captain's run, by Saturday, it was their team and it should be their team. Mm. And so really their coaching strategy was to be quite directional early in the week and really effectively hand over the leadership. So by Saturday when they're trotting out, playing for their country, it's a team of leaders. They're leading themselves. They're not waiting for instructions back in the technical area, you know, back on the bench. They're out there making the decisions. And, of course, that level of kind of uh, collective leadership, distributed leadership, is very, very powerful. It's what the military seek to do at, in a special force level all the time. They call it the strategic corporal, you know, you know, people able backing themselves, able to make decisions. And that's a cultural thing. You need to create a culture in which personal responsibility, accountability, self-leadership um, is, a, is a characteristic part uh, because, uh, and then that team leads itself. And that's that's the end game. That's what you want. You want a team who can go out there and and uh, know what to do when the pressure is on and, and understand their role and their responsibility and make good decisions on the paddock under pressure. That's That's what you want. I think as well you end up having meaning behind your results as well there's a deeper connect that connection and that deeper meaning you and it becomes contagious i, I yeah. think as again one of the things out of out of legacy where you spoke about how that connection to the public that and done through yes um brand brand awareness and and uh, and building that brand for sure but actually when you see a country or a team whether it's uh, the united team of of 90, that class of 92 when they won it looked like a group of mates winning together and you think oh how cool would that be and oh uh, yeah you know 
that becomes contagious. That is a that is contagion in itself. I think it's Ruby Tui. This this medal is the love yeah. I feel for my sisters. You know, you know. I mean, love, I, I was going to be cautious talking about love, and I end up talking about it quite often, weirdly <laughs> enough. But, but you know, just about every song written in the world is about love, right? You know, we we run into burning buildings for love, mm. right? Just just to get pictures or for cats, you know. We'll 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 risk our lives for love. We'll pack up our bags and move to a country we've never been in before for love. You know, we, we will, we will, you know, have children, you know, financially disastrous for love. You know, the bonds of connection, of human connection, I think is probably the strongest force that we feel as human beings. And motivation is the way it comes from feeling, is intrinsic what we feel about something. And um, so if we feel strongly for each other, and I'm not talking, you know, we can kind of minimize it, you know, there are different forms of love, you know, the, the brotherhood, the, the, the fraternity, the sisterhood, the, the, the you know, brother, you know, um, you know, one of the things in special forces, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I, I kind of collect language and, you know, two of the things say in special forces that you hear a lot of in terms of language. One is outstanding, just the word outstanding, because that's what it's about being outstanding, standing out, you know, and the other one is brother. Hey, brother, mm. you know, because that brotherhood is powerful. You know, you 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 no 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 man gets left behind. No brother gets left behind. I'm not going to leave my brother out there. You know, I'm going to defend him to the hill. And so, cultivating, creating a culture that creates deeper human connection. You know, profound sometimes human connection. Um, you know, is is very important you know, is very powerful, is, is not a nice to have, it's a kind of necessary to have. And I, I don't think there is a successful team that doesn't have that level of human connection with each other. Um, uh, and because and you, so, um, so you, you know, I've been working with a, with a premiership team and um, the, uh, I'm thinking how to phrase this. The, 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 they were playing for the love of their owner. Um, and it was a very, very powerful force. You know, he was watching over them. Um, and it's a very, very powerful force. And um, and we can kind of minimise it and think it's all a little bit silly or it's da-da-da. But actually, I think fundamentally, Saracens, uh, the rugby club, um, they were quite a, I mean, they've been through their recent issues and putting that aside, they had quite a remarkable cultural transformation um, with Brendan Ventner came in and they'd been quite a mercenary, you know, old Springboks came to make money before they retired kind of situation, quite transactional, really. Clock in and clock out. No one was really there for the, for the, for each other. They were there for themselves. And they decided they needed to take a look at that. And the way they defined it is, is about making memories together. Now, the better your results, the better your memories. You know, you win the European Cup. That's amazing memories. But 
the idea really is that actually they were performing so that in 25 years' time when they bump into each other in an airport, they say, you remember that time? Mm. You remember when we did that? Now, that's hugely powerful for people, hugely powerful for people and, um, and is, is, is genuine, authentic connection. People bring themselves to the group. And if you can create an environment where that 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 people want to be part of are connected, then there are massive benefits about that. You attract and you retain talent. You take care of each other. You stick together when times are tough. Um, you feel a sense of belonging. You know, a, a sense that of safety, social safety. I'm part of something. I'm wanted. You loosen up and you can express yourself. Um, all of that good stuff comes from, 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 from that kind of environment. And, and, um, and so human connection, the huddle, the coming together, the being together, you know, goodness knows you spend a lot of time together in, in, in a sporting context. You know, so creating an environment that is, that is the whānau, the family, um, I think is massively important. And, you know, with caveats, you can't force it. You know, you can create the context for it, but but no one likes organised fun and no one likes being forced into, you know, self-revelation when they're not ready. So um, it, it's, it needs an emotional intelligence to, to create that kind of space, I think. I'm glad I'm glad you said that that word emotional intelligence because the other one I was just writing down there was the self-awareness like that story you just tell of Saracens required self-awareness from them to say that mm. this isn't working we're not where we want to be or who we want to be and I can think of teams that I've been in now and before and and recognize that the lack of self-awareness that was there and you and and it's it's painful to be a part of sometimes as someone who yeah. is passionate about driving a different culture and wanting to change that culture, but if the majority are not going in that direction, it's very hard to change it when you have love mm. and connection for that team. Like yeah. so, if if I, if I think about it, the the team that I played for was my home county like it was where i'm from so that love and passion is already there i'll do mm. anything for that county because it's it's about me and mm. my part of the world and it, again if there's the culture's not how it wants to be or how you want it to be it's a really tough place to to be in when it's not being yeah that, that way yeah well it is and you know there isn't necessary you know you if it was easy, everybody would just do it, right? And it's 100%. not. Hundred percent. And and it's not. But but winning in sport is not easy. Mm. And you know, you know, one more kind of good net session might not be enough. You know, and so if you're serious about winning, are you really serious about? You know, this would be my challenge first. Are you really serious to? to be, to do the real work, the hard work, because the hard work tends to be the, the, the work inside, you know, you know, the, the world changes when we change as individuals, I think is one of those truths. And, and, you know, I, I, I mentioned it before, you know, that leading from within often great teams are formed through the, 
the self-revelation of the leader. The leader has reflected and becomes increasingly honest with themselves and self-aware enough to realize that they need to change and in changing themselves, the environment around them will begin to change. And, and that's not easy for, for, for any of us. I mean, anyone who's in a, you know, has ever been in a relationship that has been strained of any kind, you know, it's not quite right, but you don't, you, you just sort of think we'll order another Deliveroo and a bottle of wine and hope everything works out. Right. You know, but, but actually sometimes grasping the nettle and, and having those honest reflective conversations, um, uh, the way that you can create the breakthroughs through to a different way of being together. Um, that's important. And, um, you know, it's about the honesty and and challenge of some of those conversations, and they can be difficult conversations, mm. and that takes courage. And, you know, maybe that's what it takes to be a champion, that kind of courage, the courage off the field to face up to... To the, to the stuff that you don't understand. And it isn't as easy as taking a look at your batting average. You know, it's, it, you know, and it's a bit more kind of got to feel your way through. You know, it isn't easy. And, it, and, you know, being a human being isn't. And relationships are tough, but relationships are what matter in the end. And so being able to, to challenge yourself both, you know, out, out there on the field and inside and inside yourself and inside the team, I think, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's hugely powerful and hugely important. And, uh, you know, I honestly don't think in one form or another, any team that's really worked has, has, hasn't stopped to ask itself and, and confronted some difficult situations. I mean, even kind of, you know, forming, storming, norming, performing, Storming is a part of that, yeah. you know. You got to go through that stuff, and you got to accommodate and have some difficult conversations. And if something's somebody's not performing, or we're not performing as a group, sometimes you got to sit down in a circle and, you know, be honest. You said it earlier. Fun, vulnerability is a strength. It requires yeah. that vulnerability, and and very tough for for men to do it. I think when you're yeah. fighting your your ego inside to to do it the way you've always done it, it's it's just around the corner. Don't worry, I'm going to keep striving. Yeah, are you serious about winning? I really liked what you're saying there. Look, James, I'm really cautious of time as well, and I I, I recognise the world we live in is is a is a strange one at the moment. It's it's a very tough one, and and before we start recording you were talking about teams that you're working with and trying they're coming back together and and creating that but in sport as well there are teams again i take cricket as an example the sport itself is franchising it's it's fracturing it's it's once held traditional cultures and yep. do you feel that that's a a, a still a landscape in which culture can be can be built or do you feel it's it's starting to move away from that Listen, I think, I think, I think more than ever, it's a landscape that cultures need to be built. To, to, you know, if if you go back to what culture is originally, um, it it comes from, um, uh, I think it was Cicero back in in in. Uh, he, he was in his sixties, and he he wrote he he created a a, a series of books, and and one of the 
uh, ideas that he had was that actually culture is comes from the idea, the same idea as to cultivate. Um, it's a place in which people grow and flourish and grow to their full potential. And so if you're, if you're, you know, in a leadership position within a sporting group, a competitive group, then your culture is about creating a, a place in which people can flourish, can be the, become the best version of themselves they can be. Now, part of that is performative, but, but you know, performative is only one part of what it is to be a, a fully functioning human being. If it's all just about your batting average and your batting average is down, then you're kind of stuffed. So, so how do you create an environment in which you're allowing people to grow to become what they're capable of becoming, I think is the phrase. Um, now, in a franchise, even if you're only with a team for three months, you know, and you're offshore and that team has been cobbled together from on a bidding system, you know, and you kind of and you're kind of together, then maybe you just need to accelerate that envi- that that environment a little bit for two reasons. One, it's kind of the right way to look after people. But two, when people are becoming what they're capable of becoming, when they're growing from within, when they're, they are engaged, they are empowered, they feel ownership, they feel self-expressed, they feel it's an optimum performance environment. So, um, so I think, you know, I think it can be a mistake sometimes thinking of culture as just being kind of rituals and traditions handed down. Mm. You know, it's also, listen, we're together for three months. What's the space we're going to create? And I've started talking a lot more about this kind of culture and this climate. And and sometimes actually climate is, I think, more important. What's the kind of the feeling in the room, if you like? Um, and the two are sort of re- very much related and sometimes are the same thing. But really, what's the climate in the room? What's the space that we're able to create within that group in which the conversations that need to take place take place? People feel a deep sense of belonging. People are able to connect um, on a human level. Um, People are able to be vulnerable and make mistakes. Um, And the... um, the, Toto Wolf at Mercedes uh, worked with his group and put together a great set of principles, one of which was, you know, the the problem is the problem, the people aren't the problem. You know, how do you create an environment in which, because we're all going to stuff up, but actually if everyone comes down like on a ton of bricks on somebody who's stuffed up, uh, then they, they won't, they won't be enterprising anymore. They won't have a go. You know, how do you create that climate in which people are able to be to be able to perform to their optimum, I think is a is and climate. I think sometimes is a more useful word because it you know climates change and seasons change. Maybe we're only together for a short while, but how can we create that space around ourselves in which people can grow and develop and and flourish and therefore perform at their best most consistently in that team at that time, and and also trying to hold on to that old. I, I like the idea of sort of breaking apart culture and climate because I think there's so many teams that want to hold on to the culture of old and and remembering the people that have come before them and I think that is I still really think that's super important and you mentioned about rituals being a big part of that and in my experience and this is it'd be great to hear your opinion on this 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 is in my opinion was a big change in the team I played in but you might see it as a small one we used to have a pre-season 
get together. It was like just before the first game, we'd done all the preseason and then we would have this big dinner. And there was a guy in our team, uh, Colin, and I don't know if Colin would be listening, but Colin would then sing this song and it was it was uh it was feeling good. He would sing feeling good yeah. and it was and what would happen is he would start singing it he would sing it on his own and then we get to like maybe the first chorus and then the everyone would start banging the Boom. tables yeah 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 and it was the big whether you were you were new young old veteran whatever there was just a feeling of even if it was just a memory even yeah. if it was just a memory and we stopped doing that my first or second year we we had we'd done it my first year for sure. I can't remember if we did it my second year, but maybe about the th- second or third year we stopped it. Just it it came out of our routine or whatever it was. We didn't win again. We didn't win. Yeah. And and I sit there and think, I don't. I personally don't believe that that was a coincidence that we didn't win again because there were, didn't feel that moment that galvanizing moment that, where that like you were all you know cliche singing from the same hymn sheet. You know, yeah. literally, literally, you know, you know, and that musical analogy, I think sometimes is, um, you know, sometimes I talk about, you know, what's the drum beat and who are the drummers in a culture? You know, what's the rhythm? You know, we all walk in step. You know, the song, you know, they say came from, you know, working together in the fields, you know, and a beat from, you know, digging. You know that 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 idea of that we are joined in song, and you think about road crews and chain gangs and whistle while we work, and you know that idea of song and being a one voice, mm. you know, is is clearly hugely powerful. You know, there are team songs, there are there are um, football chants, you know, World Cup themes, haka, you know, is a song. In, in a way, it's a it's a it's a ritual of being of being of one voice, you know. Battle cries, war cries, you know. You know all of these things. You know language and saying we we you know in the Aboriginal term we sing the world into existence. Um, so I think I think you're absolutely right that that and you know because what that is about is about human connection. You know, it's about being this for a moment joined in song we join each other in song right cohesion connection team you know of course now whether that led you you know it's an intangible you don't know whether that led to victory or not or in anything like that but i think kind of common sense and a little bit of common experience would would indicate that you know when you, you know, you can tell a good culture because people are laughing. Hmm. It's not dissimilar. Yeah. We laugh together. We we did we did win games because we had good players, but we didn't win championships because, in my opinion, the team wasn't together. So yeah, yeah look, look, James, I'm so thankful for your time. You've got you've got a new book coming coming out, and yeah. you've been you've been writing it. Uh, just quickly touch on on what that's about the the, the sort of framework of, of what you've created yeah well, well great well thanks for asking um so i'm running a follow-up to legacy called the legacy workbook and it's a it's a a bit more the how i think you know if legacy is a sort of case study of the the what and the why of a high performing culture um through the prism of the all blacks um uh I, i'm 
really interested in how a, a mold across different domains, how different leaders, how different coaches, how different groups have have kind of formed, you know, defined themselves, uh, created a, a, a the culture around themselves, and then acted to kind of make it real and lead it. So really, those three, three stages, um, uh, the sort of soup to nuts version of 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 how to start to well, how others really have approached this, um, the the kind of the 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 define and build and lead a culture challenge, um, and uh, it's taken longer than I thought to write, but I've I've loved writing it. I've learned a lot. Um, you know, one of my phrases is, you know, they say write what you know, and my my kind of phrase is write what I want to know. Um, yeah, so it's yeah. been a really interesting journey to try to um, to just go a little bit deeper into some of these subjects and some of the areas we've talked about. I'm looking forward to that coming out, and I'll definitely be uh, grabbing grabbing a copy of that. Just before we go, I always ask people, what is a, a book other than your own? <laughs> what is a book, a documentary, quote, person that you rec- you tend to recommend to people that that you felt has inspired you oh there are there are a lot the, the book i recommended most recently was uh man's search for meaning the victor frankl book um uh, i think is uh, i think everybody should read it at least once if not a dozen times in, in their <laughs> lifetime um yeah. i'm a big fan of thinking fast and slow the kahneman book on 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 the way the mind works um it's a it's a more it's a deeper read but a but a great one um uh the ted lasso i'm gonna throw in there i've i've done i've done a i've done a podcast recently on all of the lessons from ted lasso he is my right. he is my he is my hero at the moment you know uh, you know it's a it's a it's a comedy based on some fundamental human truths i think so um, well done it's so well done, and I think some of the stuff that we're talking about 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 belief and belonging, and connection and trust and dare I say it again, love, um, and and the strength and vulnerability, uh, and and really what creates a kind of collective cause, um, are, are all in there. You know, it's a beautifully judged film, and clearly it's entertainment, but it's 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 more true than you think. I think. Yeah, it's got so many different elements to it with mental health as well and, and team togetherness. It's just a, a beautifully done uh, series. Look, James, yeah. thank you. Uh, thank you so much for this, not only for for this conversation, but for your work. I Legacy is a book that even in a previous podcast, I, I had three books that I, I recommend to people. Legacy was one of them. And and I thank you for, for the work that you do, not only just for the fact that you come out and speak about these things, but just the the depth and the richness in your work i think is so obvious and it it takes dedication and time and it's so thank you for doing that for everyone that gets a chance to read your books um all of that all of the links will be in the show notes for people to to grab a copy for sure but um i really really appreciate your time and thank you for doing this lewis a total total pleasure and thank you everyone for listening and uh no it's, it's been a pleasure and thank you very much